Hi, this is And the Oscar Doesn't Go To. I'm Sam Meltzer, and on this podcast, a guest and myself will be discussing the films that received Best Picture nominations, yet not only failed to win that award, but didn't take home any trophies on Oscar night. Today, I'm going to be joined by film fanatic and extreme Marlena Dietrich stan Jackson DiStefano. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, it, it's great to be here. I, I, I'm just excited to be here and talk about this lovely movie from 1933. I'm thrilled. Yes. Today we'll be discussing Lady for a Day, which was released in 1933 and got four nominations. Um, so what drew you to discuss this film? So uh, in, I... Years ago, I just decided to go through and watch like every single Best Picture nominee. And, and of course, along the journey, I, I found Lady for a Day. And it's just like at the time, it's just I, I just absolutely fell in love with the film. And then and but that was the only time I ever watched it. That was back in like 2017 or something. Recently, I had I had just been wanting to rewatch it, like see if like my extreme love of it had held up because it's like like a May Robeson is fantastic. It's just like, it's a lovely story. And it's just like, I wanted, I wanted to see if all that held up for me. And then, so when you asked me to be on here and I looked through your, the, the list of everything that didn't win anything, I saw Lady for a Day. And it's just like, well, this is a perfect opportunity to watch it. And it's like, I might as well talk about why it didn't win anything when it absolutely should have. I'm sorry to get ahead, but. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those pre-code Academy nominated movies that did pretty well um, that I don't know how many other podcasts you get much of a chance to talk about it on. I don't know how much of a chance you get to talk about it in general. Um, it's just not mentioned ever. Mm-hmm. Like it's very uh, forgotten. Yeah, especially in the realm of the Capra universe. This isn't oh, looked yeah. on as one of his best movies, but I did watch the version I watched had a little introduction from his son, I believe. And, it, and he was saying that, like, I watched the same one. Yeah, he was like, he was like, this is my father's one of my father's greatest accomplishments. It was the first movie he made that got nominated for Oscars. And then it was followed by the It Happened One Night success. So like this one was always special to him, even if it, you know, wasn't regarded as his best. He always considered it a favorite. And I thought that was really sweet. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a nice little movie. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, Mae Robson is not an actress who I am familiar with. Um, she kind of reminds me of Marie Jessler in that, like, there are these older actresses who had their, I mean, film as a whole sort of began around this time. Um, and it's interesting to see, like, how they worked with this, with this whole studio system and how they worked with the concept of newcomers and I like it when older actresses get recognized, um, especially mm-hmm. in these time periods when it's when it's all about who's the it girl and, and who's the bright new star who's going to be big. And Mae Robson is someone who genuinely gave a great performance and wasn't really about popularity. So there is that with the actors. And yeah, it's just like all around a heartwarming um, down to earth movie. That's an earlier Capra Um yeah, I'm glad you chose it. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. Like, I think the 30s had more of an appreciation for, like, the older actresses and stuff. Like, especially if you look at the Academy, you have a lot of just these, like, random nominations throw to who these, like, grand dames of the stage and stuff who have 
Cohen's mm. movies, like uh, Dame May Witty and uh, uh, Maria Uspenskaya, or however you pronounce her name, her name. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just watched that movie recently and I couldn't pronounce her name. It's like mm-hmm. I was trying like all day to see if I can pronounce it. And I still don't think I can do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and I, I've actually seen May Robson in other movies. Like, I really love her as the grandmother in um, A Star is Born, the 37 one of Janet Gaynor. Her and, mm-hmm. uh, and she's good and like dinner at eight and just she has a bunch of like bit roles and things, but she's always, at least to me, she's always a delight to see. I'm sure I need to get more into her work um, <laughs> considering like, I, I know I, I really do need to see more of her movies. I don't really think I've seen much aside from this. And I think she's in, what is it? Bringing up baby. Bring up baby. Yeah. So I need to see more of her films, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> a star is born is another <laughs> blind spot. I'll probably watch that like tonight or something. Um but yeah, no, uh, getting into the film itself, unless you have any other no, comments on, on why you decided to film it. Yeah, so this movie is about Apple Annie, who is Mae Robson, or Annie, whatever you want to call it. And she's this poor woman who sells fruit on the street, and she's loud and rustic and, you know, seems to actually fit comfortably with the commotion of her New York environment. And Dave the Dude is one of her closest friends because he's someone who buys apples from her. He believes that her fruit is a sign of good luck. Um, She also has a friend who works at a nice hotel. And the way she, so she gets cards from the hotel because of him. And using these cards, she sort of writes letters to her daughter who lives in Barcelona, um, who she hasn't seen in many, many years. Um, So she, she writes the letters to her daughter and she, and she pretends to be this rich socialite. Her daughter, who's never really seen her, thinks that she's a rich woman living in New York. Um, So this has been going on perfectly well for her whole life. And it's announced that her daughter is getting married and her daughter wants to visit her in New York. So this creates commotion and she's unable to do. She actually, I think, faints in this moment. Um, I think I'd say like that's the opening part of the film. So like, what do you (laughs) have to say about it? so first off, uh, this film has like an opening montage of like the different uh, beggars on the street and stuff. And I just think that's a really, like, it's a really great montage to get you into the feeling of the film. And you have like Apple Annie walking through like the crowds of cacophony and stuff. And it's just like, and nobody wants to buy her fruit or anything, except I think like a cop like takes an apple and feeds it to his horse or something. And, and it's just like, she... Like it, it's the great it really establishes well her just like her character her position just like the world around her and and immediately it's just like Mae Robson just just brings this character forward so beautifully it's just like like there's just a it, it's hard to put it into words I'm not very verbose but it's just like like it's she's just very well embodies the entire character and all her different facets and then 
Dave the Dude, I don't have nearly as much to say about, but I do think it's funny that his name is Dave the Dude because dude as a word is not really thought of for this time period. Like we think, no, not at all. That 90s kind of dude kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just like when you go watch this movie from 1933, you hear it. It's just like, wait, what word, where did this word come from? Yeah, it's it's a little jarring at first, um, but you get used to it. It is a little funny because they say it in a way that's more formal than you mm-hmm. usually hear it. Um, but I agree with you about the character. I mean, it's it, it also does something that I thought was interesting. And it's that the way it presents Apple Annie, obviously, she's basically broke. Not many people buy her fruit. She's involved in so much commotion in the street with other beggars, with people just trying to get places just in the middle of New York. But it also doesn't try to make you feel bad for her. It's not actively looking down Mm -hmm. on her, Um, which I think a lot of movies about people of lower classes or people who feel as though they're discriminated against tend to do. It's, I I mean, in terms of movies that are nominated for Oscars, because they're going to fall for that. It's Mm -hmm. really tugging at the heartstrings. If you're supposed to feel so bad for this character and they're struggling so much. And obviously you recognize that she has a lot to go through, especially when she has to figure out what she's going to do about her daughter when she comes. But you never really, you're, you never, it really ne- never drags on the fact that she's this poor woman who's struggling financially. Mm-hmm. That, that isn't a stopping point for the story in the sense that, in, in the emotional aspect of it. And May Robson is just great. Um, she's not in the movie as much as I thought um but I guess we can get into that later I mean she she does she's in it of course she is the lady for a day um but I don't know I thought it'd be her more we see a lot more of the dude than her Mm -hmm. yeah because a lot of it is like Dave the dude like arranging everything and yeah uh may robeson uh, she has a really great scene uh, at the hotel when she's trying to get her letter from the hotel that like her daughter sent mm, there because yeah. she thinks that she's living there and all that uh, and it's just like how she's like just arguing with the like the concierge and then the manager and just just desperately just trying to get the letter that she knows that they have and then eventually eventually she does get it and once she reads it she passes out and all that yeah and it's just a great scene it's like you you see the like the both her fierceness and just the desperation and just like and I really like how you said that like like her her being like poor is not the thing it's just like and the big uh like conflict of the movie it's not the fact that she is poor but it's that she is that her daughter doesn't know that she's poor. And it's like, she mm-hmm. is kind of ashamed of it, but we shouldn't look down on her for that. But it's just like, she wants to be better for her daughter. And it's like, she personally is ashamed of it. Definitely. it it's a really interesting dynamic and stuff. It is. And I also love that scene when she's trying to get the letter. It's like, she kind of gets it at the last minute because mm-hmm. the guy's about to send it back. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, my daughter, my daughter cannot know that I'm, that I'm not a rich woman living in a hotel. So I think that was entertaining. And that's also like, she's, her acting is great in that scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really like the daughter-mother relationship because you the scene where she arrives, she's, it's so emotionally driven, even though there's that whole um, kidnapping going on at the same time <laughs> of the suspicious reporters who are like, that isn't, is that Apple Annie? I don't recognize her. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that 
just sort of it's it's phrased and it's it's presented in a way that isn't melodramatic it's very neutral with regards to its drama um obviously she's she can be loud like especially in the first scene like she's screaming she's trying to get food and uh, she's trying to sell her food and when she's getting the letter she's sort of frantic but it never feel really feels exaggerated um mm-hmm. which is what leads the dynamic to feeling more natural i'd say yeah it like it clearly is supposed to be kind of like like somewhat unbelievable somewhat fantastical but it's also it never like like these feel like real people just in a kind of a farcical situation mm. definitely um and it's also like it's one of those films that when you watch it it's it's like it sort of starts off right away like it doesn't have establishing shots it doesn't really try to show her atmosphere immediately it it just shows her mm-hmm. um which is maybe why you're saying that like that that's part of the reason because it means it me- immediately leads you into showing these real people um and I like that. I think it's a great setup. Um, and Apple Annie is a very, very good character. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. It, she. I really want there to be like some kind of a remake of this. Like not, not like Pocketful of Miracles, which is a bad movie <laughs> from 1960. <laughs> it's a remake of this uh, that also got Oscar nominated, but it's not as good. Didn't Peter uh, Falk get nominated for that movie? Yes, he plays... Um, like I think his analog in this one is Happy Maguire, but it's just like he, yeah, he got a supporting actor nomination for that. It's like good for him, but he didn't deserve it. It's not a yeah. notable. I didn't watch the movie. I guess I didn't prep enough, but I didn't hear much good. You, things you don't need to watch about Dr. it. Full miracles. But I mean, look, I will but, eventually when I get to I, that. Yeah, finishing the lineup, but no rush. Yeah, um, but yeah, I feel like this is a story that can really like be adapted to different times because that that mm. kind of uh, insecurity about yourself is something that is just like a constant feeling and I feel like like you could very well like adapt this to a modern setting or something or or even do like one of those um like the high school kind of like adaptations of classic works like you did it like we had it in the 90s just do that but with this story I think that worked really well a hundred percent and now that I think about this because I think we need time to answer this question. Maybe at the end of the episode, we'll recast this movie for modern actors. Oh, okay. Because I do agree that a remake could work because it isn't like a story that's dated to the 1930s. Like it's, it's way of telling the story can still apply to 2020s filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm definitely with you there, but I'd be interested to see who we have by the end because I, I mean, I couldn't be put on the spot now. I need, I need time to think about that. Um, I, that'll be running through my head as we go on. I'm going to yeah, try just, and just food for thought, food for thought. Um, but yeah, as for the next part of the movie, as I suggested, so she has to prepare and she has to get people to sort of act as her, um, relatives people who she lives with she has to get the hotel room and this is all because of the dude that's why he's Mm -hmm. in this movie um because he's sort of the richest person that she knows and has connections with so essentially she finds her way into getting the hotel room and do you know what i thought was interesting there's a scene so so once they get to the hotel room once they're prepping everything 
there's a moment where they all are like, we need to redress you. We need to make you look like a rich old lady. And when they all go in the room, this guy, I think his name's Pierre, goes in with them. And 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 I think um, the dude is like, why is he going in there with them? And then the woman is like, it's fine. It's Pierre. And he's like, oh, Pierre. And I think that that means that Pierre's gay. <laughs> because it's like, why else would he be allowed there? I, I don't remember this. I think I might have just like blanked when this. Yeah, it's a, it's a very it's like this is like five seconds, but I caught it and I'm glad I did because it was really funny. I, I think I'm going to have to go back and like try and find that. I just I'm curious about it now. Yeah. Do you agree with me? Or are you going to have to? Oh, wait yeah, for like, your own like the way you describe it. Yeah, it makes it sound like it's a hint that he's gay, but like not saying it out loud. Yeah. And, I, and like, that's definitely like an example of pre-code. Because if this were made post-code, he either would have had to die or would not have been allowed in the film. So, <laughs> well, I, it's a, it's a nice little. There's thing. still like fops and stuff afterwards. I feel like I guess, but it was very, very, very limited. Like more than this. <laughs> yeah, I, I get. But do you um, like the the preparation moments? Yeah, because that is a lot of the movie. I mean, later in the movie, you have this whole scene where they're prepping a sort of party for them with all with all his friends to show yeah, that it was like a lush party. Like a, a lot of the movie is just them like like prepping all these different like like scenes that like display like how popular and how wealthy Apollonia is, and it's just like a, a moment I remember. One of my favorite characters in the movie is. Um, Henry Blake, I think his name is, who play, who is the guy who goes on to play uh, Apollani's uh, husband. Yes. And it's like, I think he's just a really fun character. Like, like at first he's like, like when they are telling, asking him to play uh, Apollani's wife, he's just like, well, I can't suit myself down to Apollani. But then that's when the, uh, her big reveal, like her, her dress and like as this duchess or whatever comes out and he's just like that can't be Apollani or whatever mm. or, and, but then he goes along with it and all that and that th- this is kind of jumping ahead of it but I really love the not not even a subplot just a few scenes where he's um hustling uh the the count I think and just at a pool game because he is a pool hustler but then it's just like he and I think like the count or whatever later on is just like like, you know, I'm a pretty good pool player. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> and then they play. <laughs> and of course he loses. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, little moments like stuff. that that add to the comedy. Because this is still a Capra movie. He's always yeah. going to have that that heart, that that comedic undertone, even if it's a story about societal pressure and um, a, a, a not, like not having a willingness yeah. to reveal the truth. Yeah, um, like, but he's great. It's not a screwball or anything, but it's just a very sweet, very lighthearted movie, even though like Apollani's story is so tragic. It it brings a kind of levity to it. It brings a kind of warmth. And that that's really what the appeal of the movie is, at least for me. It's just a very warm mm. kind of movie. It is. And straightforward. But I do think mm-hmm. it could have been a screwball. It could have been. Like it it has that kind of um like Dang my man godfrey kind of thing where it's just like yes. you take like a poor person and turn them into some someone more high society the pygmalion like, dynamic exactly yeah it's good I, I i like that but it's also it also works as like a straightforward drama because i feel like if it was a screwball comedy that 
emotional warm aspect that you're talking about wouldn't have been as exactly. significant there, there's definitely a balance that you need to have yeah of course um what do you think of like the arrival scene because this is when like shit kind of hits the fan so when they're at the pier to sort of greet louise which is her daughter and, and the husband there's like some I I think they're news reporters or journal like something and they're sort of unaware they recognize Annie Apple Annie but they're like hmm something suspicious is going on and they're like I don't know who this is something about this is fishy um so basically (laughs) what happens is the dude's gang just kidnaps them because Mm -hmm. and it's kind of abrupt I don't know (laughs) it's it's like considering the tone of this movie it's like really they're gonna go that far to promise this but it's like wow yeah he really likes annie um what did you think of that scene uh i i'm sorry to say it's just like i feel like i don't really remember the kidnapping scene that much i remember the scene at the pier i remember like apple annie like waving with her little handkerchief but i i don't remember the kidnapping yeah i I feel like i I didn't pay attention yeah here's the thing it's 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 very quick and also considering how much it matters to the rest of the plot involving the cops coming to the party and really shaking things up yeah you'd be shocked how quick it happens and how little clarity there is while it happens on what's actually going on yeah it's like I remember like when they're prepping for like one of the parties or something it's like I remember at the Missouri Club, that is. Uh, I remember them looking outside, and there's like a bunch of cops there. And I'm, I remember thinking, so it's like, why are there a bunch of cops there? And I guess I must have missed this important moment where they kidnap people. It is easy to miss. Like I briefly caught it, and it's also like having subtitles on <laughs> helps you catch up. But yeah, like I, I don't know, like, and can, again, like especially considering how much the, that whole part of the end where it's dragged because of the fact that there are cops there, it's like really you're not going to show just like two more minutes of them kidnapping them it's like you're going to mm-hmm. shift that quickly i don't know yeah. it, a blessing of these older movies is that a lot of them are are quite short but then oh, that yes. also kind of leads to them kind of rushing through things at times yeah and it's like while you were while you rushed through that and had so much time planning it's like could a little bit more of this time been focused on an, an apple annie maybe mm-hmm probably um but it's just nitpicky i guess at this point it's not something to get worked up over yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean the rest of the movie is just sort of dave and his crew planning the party and the party going downhill um and the ending is mm-hmm. kind of odd because <laughs> it's like there isn't much of a revelation in the end yeah it's- it- it's weird. Like I, I'm not sure why I thought this, but I remembered this story as going where it's just like, like, like I, I rem- for some reason I remember it being that Apple Annie eventually comes out and says, "I'm I this is not real. Well, this is my life. Like I'm actually uh, kind of down my luck and all that." And then it's just like I remember her daughter being like, like oh my god I've been lying too it's just like I'm not <laughs> actually marrying a cow it's like that's not what happens it's no like, wait it's, it's more abrupt <laughs> what happens is she's about to reveal it to her but then they're like party's here cops are here and it's sort of 
right, like really right before she's about to say, I've been lying to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, she just leaves. <laughs> it's like, there's yeah, it's not just, much of a resolution here. Yeah, they just kind of let her keep her charade going. And it's just like, yeah, like and there's no real resolution. I suppose that was maybe an addition to why it was considered a comedy. Mm-hmm. Just because, it, I mean, if it ended on that note, maybe it would have been more dramatic. Because it, it is abrupt. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't bother me. It's just not what I expected. Maybe it just subverted my expectations. Maybe I should be praising it for completely surprising me on that part. Um, but yeah, I, it, 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 was, it did ca- catch me off guard a little bit. I, I wonder how different this is, uh, is to compare the compared to the source material like how many changes there were like what if anything was cut or added and it's just like mm. like what or like the studio demands or anything if there were any in 99 percent of stories like this you have a resolution you have some sort of apology and whether the response is positive or negative there is the apology and this just doesn't mm. have it at all yeah it almost gets there but it doesn't yeah it, it's very it it's something I think I I should want to think about for a while. Like, how does this change? Like, what? Like, can compare it to like the normal ending for a story like this, where it's like the come out and and that is just like, oh, how could you lie to me? But then also I forgive you. This is all okay. But then like compare it to like where that kind of that scene doesn't isn't allowed to happen. It's just like how. How does that change the dynamics? How does that change the kind of moral, if there is one, or mm. something to that sort? It, it's really interesting, actually. It's something worth thinking about. Definitely. And that also could be a pre-code quality. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? And this was this was near the end of pre-code, wasn't it? Like I think this is yeah. mid-34 is when pre-code ended. And this, this is like, 30. I think this is the last year of Oscars in pre-code. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, I I think she is definitely the best part of the movie. Again, oh, yeah. I wish she was in it more. Like, I, I hate yeah. saying that, but it's like, you have so much time of this movie planning. Include more yeah. scenes of her with her daughter walking around New York and doing things that she doesn't know how to do. Oh, I forgot to say this. At one point, I mean, obviously it's changed, but they're they like bringing up, oh, that woman is so poor. Where does she live? She must live on First Avenue. And it's like, she lives on First Avenue. First Avenue is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what, what the, I don't know what was going on then. But maybe it's, that's it's, just where like all the beggars, like it, it is. Yeah, where, like, it had to be. Rich people are, but it's also where all like the poor den, the, like the yeah. dens of the poor were, where they like to beg and whatever. But First Avenue, I mean, it, it, it does go all the way through, this, through Manhattan, basically. So maybe there are sections of it that are poor, but most of it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was and, something I laughed at. It's like, this is 90 years ago. So it's like, things of course. have changed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was I saying on my conclusion? I, I wish he was in it a little more. Yeah. Um, we we still get a good good chunks of the film with her yeah she, she's like she's still like a lead actress like like yeah. she and dave the dude are the leads of the movie it's just like i just wish there was equal yeah. screen time between the two yeah <laughs> but you get what you get 
actually i'm gonna look up uh the screen time central like how, what how it's much screen time 35 you? minutes i think for her which uh, is not a lot um uh, almost there uh yeah 36 percent of the movie which is all which is kind of not a lot at all like no. just comparing to the other nominees that there you have Catherine Hepburn and Morning Glory who's in for 60% and then Diana, Diana Winyard and Cavalcade which is like an ensemble kind of movie and she's in 30% of her movie so it's, yeah. well none it, of these nominees were longer than 45 minutes oh yeah hmm. but then again it's just like these are short movies too so true like, and, and is Catherine Morning Hepburn... Glory like an hour long yeah it's like yeah, she's in 44 minutes, but that's 60% of her movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Do you have anything else about the film that you'd like uh, to discuss? Glenda Farrell was good. I thought she was a delightful yes. watch. Like in Definitely. her scenes, she's just... I liked her stage what a performer, character. charisma. Um, mm-hmm. Louise, too. Not in it much as the daughter, yeah. but, but good. I, I'm surprised. I, I also remembered like Louise being in it more, but she isn't. She's barely a character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if she had ten minutes, honestly. Especially we, considering the thirty-five of, of Mayor Robson. But so it's like when when we remake this movie, we have to give Louise more screen time. We gotta give Annie more screen time. Cut down yes. on Dave. Cut down on all the planning stuff. Just like let yes. let them be in the moment. But still make it a hundred minutes. But unfortunately, by today's standards, it would probably be two hours and twenty five minutes. <laughs> Just like four hours of Appalachian. <laughs> a mini series starring yes, starring Judy Dench. I, Judy Dench is who I first thought of. So, like, I, I that I just think, came to my mind. Like, that wasn't even who I was planning on saying, but I guess, I, I guess, I think, like, if we are, like, look, we can discuss the fan cast now. It's just like, yeah, I think my first thought was Judy Dench, but on the other hand, I think she might be a bit too old. Like, I yeah, think Belfast is yeah. kind of her swan song and all that. So it's like I'm thinking, like. Like other actresses that are like 60, 70 years old. I'm thinking like maybe Meryl Streep, though maybe not her. She mm. don't get it'll boost her ego too much. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Like, it, it, it's hard. It's actually like no Helen Mirren, like she she looks no, too she's, posh. She's too British. Yeah. You gotta think of someone who can be what about, like rugged. What about Jessica Lang? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. It's I, difficult. Like, yeah, it, it's it's just kind of hard thinking of like older actresses because they aren't really. Ooh, you know who? Like, we need to think of character actresses, and so I think Margot Martindale could do really good with this part. Yes, and here's the thing: and this person is British, but I'm sure they could put on an American accent. Amelda Staunton, mm-hmm. definitely. Ooh, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she she could do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah just Dave, Dave the dude could just be like any middle aged white guy. If we're being honest, yeah, it's just like it could be, yeah, just anyone. Could be like Colin Farrell, Bradley be... Cooper. Mm, uh, I don't think Bradley Cooper actually. It has to be someone who has like a kind of like toughness to him. I I, I don't know why. Yeah. I just think Bradley Cooper is kind of weak. 
Like, oh. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think he would win a fight. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, my mind's just going through, like, recent Oscar nominees and stuff. It was just, like, like no, nothing's really coming to what mind. What about Steven Young? <laughs> my, my mind went past him. It's just like, no, he's not old enough. It's like, In 10 I, years. Uh, I, I don't know. He's he's too nice. Like I I know he's played like in Burning and stuff like that. He's played kind of awful people, but it's just like I I love that I we're just know. like coming up with them on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, oh we gotta come up with someone for David. It's just like yeah, who, who is going to be the opposite to our Margot Martindale or Melda Staunton? Um, mm-hmm. hmm. It's just like, and all the people I'm thinking of are like kind of too old. Like they could have done it like before, but can't do it now. Like like Robert De Niro or Al, Al Pacino or something like that. I'm thinking like people yeah. who played mobsters before. Who's tough? Like, like who has a commanding screen presence? In, you know, th- this isn't really a guy you think of when you think of commanding commanding screen presence, but. But and I haven't even seen Boardwalk Empire, but I've heard he's good. So I'm thinking like Steve Buscemi might might be able to do something interesting with this, or Willem Dafoe. But could that Ooh. be? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah. but I feel like we we can really come up with something it. better. But for now, but let's keep let's keep thinking about it. Let's just move on. Yes. We'll, well, we'll, so if we think of a good idea, we'll just burst into it randomly in the latter half of the episode. Yeah. I mean, you want to just get in, into the Academy Awards? Of course. Of course. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. So this was nominated for four categories. Um, first, let's do adapted screenplay. Three nominees. It's State Fair and Little Women, which won alongside it. Would you give Lady for a Day the win? Absolutely. Like, yeah. State Fair. I agree. Who, who cares? Who Little cares? Women. It is just it is just Janet Gaynor and her husband doing fair activities for like an hour <laughs> and a half. <laughs> and then Little Women. I've I've only Greta been a Gerwig fan of story by Greta Gerwig. Like I did. Like every other adaptation, I've just thought is just so boring. <laughs> and it's just like I think it's like, fine. I, it's it's okay. I mean, it's not bad, but and I get why it won. <laughs> Yeah, like, but Lady I, for a Day is definitely the best yeah. of these. Yeah, it's like L- Little Women. The best part of that movie is just Catherine Hepburn. It's just like the writing yes. is nothing to write home about. Agreed. Okay. If you, I mean, if you had three nominees for this category, just basing it off of the Oscars here, like what would you nominate aside from? Um, well, I'd keep Lady for a Day probably. And I'd put I Am the Fugitive from a Chain Gang in there. Uh, I I'm actually a fan of a farewell to arms. I would put that in. I like that movie. I think it's good. <laughs> oh, and pro- uh, actually, I'm thinking of these and it's like, how many? Which of these are even adapted? Because I I think private private life of Henry VIII is fantastic. But I don't oh, yeah. know if that's like based on anything, or if that was like a screenplay or it was meant to be a movie. I think it's original. Yeah. But- uh, I just went to the page. I'm pretty sure it's original. There's no like based on credits. Yeah, or anything. but uh, I guess Lady for a Day is our win. Uh, yeah, just looking through all these other nominees, it's like there's not 
much worth no. anything here. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, best director. Um, uh, so it's just alongside Frank Capra, it's George Cukor for Little Women and the winners, Frank Lloyd for Cavalcade. Um, again, easy win yeah. for Lady for a Day. Like I think that Frank Capra does a lot of good work here. Like it, it is a well-directed movie, and and just the other two nominees, Little Women again. I don't really care about it. And Cavalcade is the, so boring. one of the worst films that has ever been nominated for an Oscar, in my opinion. It's just, it's interesting. I, I was saying this on my 42nd Street episode last week. It's like people only, it's like regarded as one of the worst because it's boring. And that's like the mm-hmm. only reason. And that's just enough because it's that boring. Yeah. It, like sometimes I feel bad that like, like there's nothing like, wrong with it really like it's like it's the it's production a totally competently fine. made it, film it, there's nothing like morally wrong with it but it's just so boring i can't stand watching it it just drags forever and it's not even that long i don't think no like, it's not <laughs> like it it is 112 minutes it's under two hours it's but the longest for- of the best picture nominees too which is funny but yeah it's i guess in this time 112 minutes was a really long time but still it's just like come on <laughs> just yeah oh god but yeah play for day easy one and definitely but i don't know why i am a fugitive from a chain gang wasn't nominated i suppose the director's French was not as snobby as they are now I, um but that there's also only three would, nominees yeah but i would put that in just because it's yeah. like yeah there's more to do there and since we're talking about Frank Capra as a director, uh, I want to bring up a movie, um, The Bitter Tea of General Yen. And like, this is kind of out of nowhere, but I just, I remember that. Uh, so early on in his career, Frank Capra, or early on the Academy Awards, like Frank Capra was a kind of disappointed that he wasn't getting nominated for any Oscars or anything. And he wanted to, get into that and this was only like after like five years and then he was talking to a producer and it was just like well they only nominate that arty junk and so then he made bitter tea of general yen which is the same year as this movie 1933 and that was his attempt at some like an artsy picture like an art like a 30s version of an art house movie and it is a well-directed movie, but it's also bad. It's kind of racist, if you can tell by the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the same year, he made Lady for a Day, and that's what got him into that best director slot. And that's probably yeah, why he just, was so happy about it and, and considered it such an achievement, because he probably liked it way more than that film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's just a little tidbit I wanted to bring up. Yeah, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, so next, I mean, we've got actress. Yes. So also three nominees. Um, we also have Diana Winyard for Cavalcade, and the winner is Catherine Hepburn. Would go on to become the most awarded actor in Academy history. Um, this is her first Oscar, and I think it's her first nomination. And yes. she wins for Morning Glory. Um, so I mean. I mean, this I'm is sure just kind we, of the same story for yeah, all these it's categories. Very easy. It's just like Diana Winyard. I barely remember the She's movie. Fine. I just know I hate it. Yeah, I guess. And then 
Morning Glory, I I rewatched recently. He just I so we, I watched it with Zita just because she's going through all oh, yeah. the best actress winners and she tried to get me to watch in that. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> like she I don't understand how she was nominated for this instead of Lil Wynn, which was the big her big well, movie this year. Yeah, so if you listen to Gordon's episode on it. So what happened is like this movie failed when it first came out and then they like re-released it and was like, let's see if this can be an Oscar thing. And they really campaigned her. So it was just her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing, she's louder in this movie than she is in Little Women. But again, it's weird considering that Little Women was maybe the runner-up in Best Picture. It, it really seems like it. Yeah. And it, it's like, she's clearly better in that film. And had she won <laughs> for it, it would have made a lot more sense looking back. Um, but May is the best of the category regardless. So who cares? I, I'm wondering if like, had if they did like multiple nominees by like one actor i wonder if katherine hepburn would have had two nominations this year probably because like it's possible but and i wonder if maybe like the morning glory votes if some of those people were like well i would have voted for her for little women had she been here but since she's in for a different movie i'll just vote for that instead yeah but anyway may robson absolutely deserved to win this like she is so much better she outclasses them like her nomination here is one of my favorite nominations of the decade it's just like she she brings so much of the heart and soul to this movie and just like if you casted anyone else i feel like it would be lesser like maybe marie jessler could have brought something similar to the role but i think maybe robson is just so perfect she is um it's such a great combination of a frantic um, rash person and like someone who has to restrain themselves and try and admit the truth when they don't have a chance. It's a really well balanced, entertaining, mm-hmm. uh, uh, perfect performance to reward of best actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think she should have won. Yep. Yep. Simple. And now on to best, best picture. picture. So, Our outstanding picture. as I did again on my last episode, I shared my thoughts on these movies. So I'll be briefer, but I'd like to hear your thoughts about these films just so we can i mean i i know some of them already yeah I, we we've talked about how i hate cavalcade so we'll move on from that yeah so uh, i'm 40 just gonna go down the street. list here. yeah 42nd street i i used to hate but now i kind of appreciate i think it is good enough for what it is i think it has some good parts but also kind of drags love mm. ginger rogers in it i love her monocle and everything of course but outside of that, it's just a kind of standard 30s musical a Farewell to Arms, I haven't watched in a long time, but I remember really liking it. I thought it was like really well directed, like gorgeously photographed and just like a well kind of made adaptation. I haven't seen the remake of it, but I imagine it's probably lesser than this version. I remember liking, I think it's Helen Hayes and Gary Cooper in it. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember really liking it. Like it's, I, I remember it as a great movie, but who knows if that'll hold up whenever I decide to rewatch it. Uh, I'm a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. That's a classic for a reason. Just a great movie all around. Paul Muni is great in it. Uh, and then Lady for a Day, we talked about. I really love that one. Little Women, we've talked about. Uh, mediocre. Uh, Private Life of Henry VIII is like w- like the gold standard for like period movies, I think. like I think it's just like a perfect example of what uh, like a historical biopic should be. It's just like, because it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's like, 
like Charles Lawton in this is like he does bring kind of like a lot of humor to the part because like like everybody knows Henry VIII is kind of like an oaf and all that and he really brings that forth and plus all the supporting cast is fantastic it's gorgeous to look at the sets the cinematography costumes all of this fantastic it's just a great great movie um she done him wrong bad movie I never understood the whole Mae West thing it's not for me uh Cary Grant is wasted in it and I don't even like Cary Grant that much yeah I still think he's wasted um Smiling Through don't remember it at all I it's probably mediocre uh and State Fair we've talked about it's boring yeah so yeah and then of these um well had had I not rewatched Lady for Lady for a Day just now I would have easily said it like that's easily my favorite but honestly it did kind of go down on a rewatch like I still love it but it's just like it's not like as definitive my favorite as it was but having said that I still think it is my favorite although uh Private Life of Henry VIII is really close up there I think I think they're both kind of really like they're the top tier of this although of course I am a fugitive from chain gangs also great feral to arms I still like and then the rest I could care less about (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'll just go through very, very quickly. But that was a fantastic rundown. I loved hearing your thoughts there. And we're pretty similar. I'll just go like three words. Cavalcade, boring. 42nd Street, solid. Farewell to arms, decent. I am a fugitive from a chain gang, fantastic. Lady for a day, great. Little women, good. Private life of Henry VIII, great. She done him wrong, who cares? Smiling through, whatever. (laughs) State fair, boring. Uh, <laughs> uh, and my vote would be for I am a fugitive from a chain gang. Okay. I think my second would be Lady for a Day. Third, Private Life of Henry VIII. All right, all right. So yeah, we but, we got pretty. We're pretty in sync on this. I feel like yeah. We, but yeah, I give vote, I give it the that, other three wins. Yeah, like Lady for a Day was robbed. Mm. Like a, absolutely, May Robson. Uh, <laughs> that was terrible the robbers have been robbed <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was yeah well uh, yeah it's yeah, interesting it, it, odd year for the oscars yeah do you have any other thoughts about this year like like um, just the other categories like i'm looking through and it's just like not really a- why wasn't gold diggers of 1933 nominated in best picture that's a little weird because 42nd Street was more popular, I guess. Although it's yeah. funny that, like, in Best Sound Recording, th- like, three of them are Best Picture nominees, and the other one is Gold Dickers. And yeah. also, uh, also, I just noticed this mm-hmm. now, but it's just, like, Sound Recording. The winner is Franklin Hansen for Fell to Arms, and the other three are Nathan Levinson. <laughs> oh, wow. Just okay, that's actually, movies. that's so sad, actually. <laughs> Imagine getting three nominations and losing. <laughs> it reminds me of like Dream Girls, and it was nominated three times in Best Song, and it didn't win yeah. any three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sad. Uh, and just looking at these other nominees, I've seen most of the winners this year, except for Krakatoa, the live-action short winner. Can't find that anywhere, but the rest of them I've seen. Um, just so rundown of like my favorite ones um one-way passage the best original story winner 
a fantastic tragic romance set on a boat uh, it has William Powell and Kay Francis they're both fantastic. and it's only an hour oh yeah it's very short it's really good um gorgeous movie just plot wise actor wise I think that it's well made like this set if I remember correctly is pretty good too um so this is Harris is actually very interesting like the live action short winner this year or one of them there's two live action short categories it's weird this category is weird but so this is novelty and comedy yeah novel i think novelty was a term meaning documentary or something like that like or their version of documentary but whatever um so this is harris is about i forget the guy's name it's something harris uh Phil Harris. He was apparently this popular singer at the time. And the the thing, the plot of it is pretty much that everybody in town, every man or woman absolutely adores Phil Harris, except for this one guy. And he just absolutely despises and doesn't get why anyone else likes uh, this Phil Harris guy. And his, his wife is absolutely in love with him, too. It's just... And it's basically just like... Have you seen that short film that kind of became a meme a few years ago? It's called like, um, I know Jake Gyllenhaal is fucking my girlfriend or something like that. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it's okay. It's okay. But it's, if, if any of the listeners know what that is, it's pretty much just that where it's just like, he's incredibly jealous. And it's just like, there's a scene where the guy who hates Phil Harris just meets Phil Harris on a golf course without knowing who he is because like he's just like a singer so it's just like you don't automatically know what the guy looks like and it's just it's a very strange but very entertaining short film Mm. Um, and I it's one of the surprises of like watching through all the short film winners yeah that's also something I have not even like now I'm still on acting and picture I'm just trying to get the big ones first and then when I'm at your level i'll start doing the short <laughs> films because that is yeah i mean that doesn't seem as difficult because they're short films oh yeah um uh, but yeah something to really like if you want to kind of like boost your like so there's that letterbox list of every single nominee every single oscar nominee and people like try to get high percentages on that if you want to quickly get your percentages high on that just watch every animated short nominee because it, it they are all like eight minutes long and it's just like so easy to go and a lot of them are like very easy most of them are very easy to find in like youtube or daily motion or something like that so just like mm. you can set an afternoon and i'm sure they're fun and, too yeah like well some of them are boring and generic like oh but a lot of them are fun and it's just mm-hmm. like you can set an afternoon aside and just watch through like 20 30 50 of them and mm. it's just like just boost your numbers up quickly like that and it's just it's also just a great way to appreciate the history of animation. Like I really love the animated short category, even if the nominees aren't all that great or the winners, like it's complicated, it's, yeah. but it is interesting. To look My at favorite it. from what I've seen is rejected. It's the, yes. you've seen it, right? So good. Uh, yeah. That, that was nominated in like 2000. 2000 yeah. Yeah. The, Don felt great. Yeah. I love them. World of Tomorrow, that whole trilogy is fantastic too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of great, like, 
you can also be surprised by what and what like what's actually nominated in there just like yes like the, like there are two different animated shorts about sex dolls two different ones different mm. it's just like huh <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there's lots of interesting little tidbits like that and uh, i, I could get that otherwise on, aside from watching all the short films yeah Mm. but yeah it's just i i could go on and on. i in fact in fact when i've tried to make podcasts before or like a youtube channel or something where i just talk about like random parts in oscar history and i have a whole script about the animated short category that i just never ended up doing anything with because i i am not good at like doing things i'm not good at like dedicating myself to a project and like following through with it i get discouraged easily yeah it's it's like hard to keep up Mm -hmm. well i'm excited to hear that whenever it's released it'll probably it'll be i it won't be coming out anytime soon probably but who Mm. knows it might come out sometime Uh, (sighs) all right i i think that's yeah i mean i I, you have a lot more insight than i do i've just seen like the categories that the completed categories that lady for a day was in along with mm-hmm. like sound and I think actor um mm-hmm. I still have more work to do but that's that's a good start mm-hmm. um, not not sucks. a great year for the yeah. Oscars but also not terrible yeah there there's worse years but it's just like there's a few just movies yeah. here that's just like you could easily toss away yeah mm-hmm. of course but yeah, any final thoughts about Lady for a Day, the Oscars? I I think I'm good. I just think every everybody should check out Lady for a Day. It's an underseen film, but I feel like most people would have a good time with it if they checked it out. Yeah, if you like Capra's work and you have an afternoon, it's 90 minutes. Um, and it's it's a fun movie. I recommend <laughs> it. Um yeah, Jackson, where where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at J-A-C-D-E-S Williams with an S at the end. Uh, I'm, I'm not a professional or anything. Those are just my personal accounts. But if you want to follow me and look at my stupid tweets and stupid Letterboxd reviews, go ahead. <laughs> Definitely follow him. Um, and I've also done uh, episodes on other podcasts if you want to just find any yes. Oscar podcast. I definitely have an, I almost definitely have an episode on one of them. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sam the Parasite, Letterbox Sam Meltzer. Please review and rate this podcast on whichever podcast service you use. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>